and welcome to the 40 Drinks Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie McLaughlin. Sometime in the years around our 40th birthday, many of us start to feel what I've started calling the ick, like some part of our life no longer fits and you don't know what to do about it. I know that was true for me, and I fought against it, which only made it a messier process. But having 40 drinks with 40 people over the course of a year helped me escape the influence of that ick. On this podcast, I welcome you to tap into my stories and experience, as well as those of my guests, to help you emerge from your own ick and maybe even avoid some of the mistakes we made along the way. My mission is to make it common cultural knowledge that there is a transition most of us face around age 40 and then showcase so many versions of that transition that every single person approaching or recently turned 40 with dread in their heart knows that they are not alone. Today, my guest is Mitch Webb, who spent years on aggressive therapies, biohacking, and trying to beat his body into submission before he became aware of the much gentler process of healing the nervous system. Hey, Mitch, how you doing? I'm good, Stephanie. Thanks so much for having me on. It is my pleasure. I'm very excited to have you because you and I have so many overlaps and commonalities in our stories that I just think we're going to be hard pressed to keep it to a reasonable amount of time today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) So first of all, I want to say happy anniversary. I just found out today's your anniversary. So nine years with your lovely wife. Is that right? Yeah. Shout out to Katie. Thank you so much. Happy anniversary, Katie. I hope you guys are having a great day. I hope you're going to do something nice for her tonight. Oh, I've been pulling out all the stops. I called all our friends. We don't normally do gifts and I usually can't wait until the day to give gifts. I always give gifts early. And I had like little surprises kind of built into the day and they were all like surprises. And for, and for me, that was new and different. So I think she dug that and we're doing a a date night after we hop off the podcast. That's awesome. My husband is very similar. Patrick always wants to give me my presents ahead of time, but I love surprises. So Mm. literally before Christmas, before my birthday, before anything, he'll be like, do you want your present? And I'm like, no. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, I proposed a day early. It was supposed to be on July 4th. The whole family was coming down to this island that's right off of the coast of North Carolina down in Wilmington. And I got nervous and excited. And the night before, I did it in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch, oh my God. So one more commonality. Patrick did the exact same thing. He was going to do it over 4th crazy. of July weekend. And on the 3rd of July, I, to this day, think it was because I wanted to do a little project in the garden and he didn't want to do the project. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. But he just literally surprised me. He dropped down on a knee in our bedroom. And frankly, it's the only way he would have surprised me because if he had tried to pull anything off, I would, you know how we are, we ladies, right? We clue into your stuff. So I would have seen it. So He truly, truly surprised me. But same thing, July 3rd, a a day ahead of time. (laughs) Wow. I think we're kindred spirits already. We've talked for five minutes and I'm I'm excited about what else is going to come. I know. I know. All right. So let's jump in. Why don't you start by telling me a little bit about who you were and what got you to where our story begins? So, you know, normal kid growing up, lots of sports. I was heavily involved in a fraternity. I know we have that party side of us. I was the social chair of my fraternity and we're supposed to do it for one semester. I did it for four years. I was in business school, didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was just partying through school. And there was an opportunity to go overseas to Germany for a study abroad program. And it was the World Cup. And I literally looked on the map and saw that Amsterdam was close by. And I'm a big cannabis fan. So I was like, (laughs) yeah, let's do this. And... uh, (laughs) First night we're there, we're partying, and I fell out of a second story window, hit my head, um, traumatic brain injury, um, a lot of shame, I would say. Now looking back, now that I've done a lot more work, I hit my head, I thought I had a massive hangover, it was a massive TBI, and uh, yeah, I didn't go to the doctor, didn't do anything, I just, and and now I was also drinking Coke and McDonald's the next day, which is wild. I've had doctors tell me like, you're lucky you didn't have like a stroke, probably because of the amount of alcohol that was in my system. Yeah. So I guess there's that. Um, shortly after I started having panic attacks, didn't know what the hell that was, started having insomnia. Then about six months later, broke out in plaque psoriasis over my entire body. 
So it was, it was kind of wild. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you said you didn't tell anybody about the brain injury or you didn't tell anybody that anything really had happened to you after you fell out this window. Did you ultimately tell somebody? I mean, I, I went home and I was like, mom, dad, I am not right. Like something's okay. going on. I just didn't feel like myself. I would have these, what's that called? When you put your hands on something, you feel like you're falling through. You, oh, vertigo. vertigo. Yeah, yeah, I had vertigo really bad. I had these crazy dreams and, I, and now like doing a lot of subconscious work. I feel like my, my body was like, yo, something happened to you, bro. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, yeah, we're just going to keep drinking. Yeah. <laughs> we need yeah. your attention, please. <laughs> well, you know, and it's funny you do that because that's like what happened for the next until now, like my body's yeah. going, Hey Mitch, wake the fuck up. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Wake up, dude. And I had to yeah. take a lot of impact. So we're just kind of getting started there. Oh my goodness. Oh God. Yes. We're just getting started. Okay. So you go home, you get some attention and you graduate college, make it into the corporate world. Tell me a little bit about what what's next. Yeah. So I work for my family business. My family owns a printing business. I was in sales. I was good at sales just because I love relations. I love people, love connecting. I don't think I ever loved printing. I got lucky. I had some really big accounts. I was lucky enough to work with people like HBO and World of Warcraft and Target and all these big brands. And so I love that. My girlfriend at the time, my wife now, we were moving into a house together and it had black mold in it and I had no idea. And so I think it's part of like the dysregulated nervous system that I had going into that because it didn't affect her at all. She had an egg allergy, right? Mm -hmm. At that time, I had started making so many changes. Nutrition was the first thing that I really got into. I got back from doing the 12 ounce curls, drinking beer all the time to eating better food and, and not drinking, well, Maybe just on the weekend. I was kind of a weekend warrior, warrior sure. at that time. And yeah, after three months, beautiful community of people. And I was doing so good because I felt so supported um, by the community there. We were eating family dinners a couple nights a week. Just like this beautiful little mill town that got revitalized. And there's a brewery and really yeah, good yeah, food yeah. and farms around. It was awesome. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, it was not awesome for me. So I went from... I'm getting better. And at that time I was on medication as well. And I was weaning off of that. I was doing all these great things. Sleep was the big thing for me. So I was weaning off of like benzos at that time. And all of a sudden I couldn't sleep at all. So I started asking people for like Xanax and things like that. And, and that's the only option I knew at the time was sure. pills, right? Yep. Which I think is so common. And that's why yep. I try to do what I do and help people see if there's other options if they're interested in that. And it's also very Western medicine, right? It's like, oh, yeah, you have a problem? Sure. Let's give you a pill instead yeah. of trying to figure out what's behind the problem or whether mm -hmm. it's a symptom of something else. So yeah, oh, I, I get that. That's a rabbit hole of, of following yeah, symptoms and looking for something outside of our body instead of all the powers within. So yeah, I quit sleeping. I got lucky. I had like a little nutritionist in the village and they helped me out. Eventually found out that I had developed Lyme disease. We found out there was mold in the house. I had Lyme disease. I was diabetic. I had heavy metals and I was about 50, 60, 70 pounds overweight. That's when I decided that's my first awakening. That's like, something's got to change. Yeah. And kind of like I do, I went all in. Yeah. 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 So I can uh, check, check, check with you with mold, heavy metals, Lyme disease. And really? uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. And autoimmune. Mm. It's interesting. I've had over the last seven to 10 years trouble with thyroid and autoimmune thyroid. And then we found Lyme disease a couple of years later, and there's a few other things. But when I start really stripping back to try to figure out, it's been several years I've been working on this without being able to find the root cause or the issue mm. or like, what is the thing? Because we've worked mm. on so many things and haven't gotten all the way there. And I was reminded that when I was like 27 or 28, I lived in an, a basement apartment in Boston and there was this like 100 year storm that flooded our apartment. And wow. yeah, it was sort of an adventure kind of thing at the time. We stayed at a friend's house for a few days and the landlord replaced all the carpeting and that was all fine and well. 12 days after they replaced the carpeting, another 100-year storm had happened again. Wow. And now our apartment flooded. The first time it had flooded, just enough to make the carpets kind of like a little squishy and kind of wafty when you stepped on them. Yeah. The second time there was like 12 to 16 inches of water in the entire apartment. Wow. So first they said, we're not replacing the carpets. Those are brand new carpets. And at the time I worked for the city of Boston, I got the guys down the hall at inspection or whatever to come over. They're like, you're replacing the carpets. Yeah. But what I didn't realize at the time, 
and not until recent years was that sure they replaced the carpets and they had the industrial blowers in there, but oh my God, what about all the sheetrock? What about mm. all the framing? What about all the, like, how, was there, was the insulation, was there mold that was growing behind walls that we didn't know about? And mm. I lived in that apartment and in the one next door for like the next two years. That's so, what mine was. Yeah. That's the same thing that happened to me. Good Lord. Are we like distant <laughs> relatives or something? So listen to this. Mine did not happen overnight. I tell the story like that because I don't want to draw it out. But like, so all this stuff starts happening. Do you know Dave Asprey, like Bulletproof Coffee? He's like a big biohacker. And that's the way that I got into health is like learning about him and his coffee, which is just putting butter and, and, and MCT oil in your coffee. Okay. And, I've heard um, of the concept. Yeah. So my doctors at the time, functional medicine doctors, thank God I went and saw them. They were like, we think you have mold. I'm like, there's no mold in this house. Like you're crazy. So they kept saying it over and over again. You know, I'd seen them for two years. They didn't know what the hell was going on. And I leave them telling me check for mold. And I'm like, I'm not checking. This is a rental. And there's an advertisement for a free at home mold test. So I'm like, what the hell? I'll get it. I get it. And what you want to see is spores inside the house should be the same as outside the house, but drastically lower. Mine work drastically higher. And it's funny because I showed that to my landlord. They moved us out for a month and they renovated. But we were in this shitty hotel room for a couple of months. It was miserable, but I got better. I felt a lot better being out of that. As soon as I moved back in, they were remediated. I immediately get symptoms again. Think I am crazy. Call them over to the house. They're making fun of me. I thought I was crazy. And then I'm moving some stuff around one day. I happen to move the refrigerator and water shoots up out of the floor. And I'm like, what in the world? And I pull back layers. There was like six or seven layers on the linoleum flooring and the bottom was about to fall through. And that's where our bedroom was in our kitchen. Clemson University said it's one of the worst cases of black mold that they've ever saw. We were out that night. I went, I mean, it was almost borderline physical with the guy that was jumping around making fun of me because I'm like, I'm not crazy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, uh, and I'm very fired up. And yeah, that's how that all went down. It's an epidemic, especially here in the South and when those storms kind of roll through. Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. So you're 20s and you've got these issues and you start with Bulletproof Coffee and the biohacking. Tell me about making yourself better. Yeah, I went full bore. I didn't know that I was like an auditory learner, right? And so all of a sudden I'm just listening to podcasts, everything I can, absorbing. And that was kind of a double-edged sword on some side. It gave me a lot of information, things to try. And also like if you're, if you've got something on, there's somebody out there that's going to market toward to you, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of a supplement junkie. I was pushing things way too hard, but I was the only one that was felt like I was getting better in that office of a bunch of Lyme disease people, right? It was hard to watch. Like I would see people get wheeled in, like guy gets wheeled in a wheelchair, drooling on himself, not speaking. And then they put an IV in him and he's walking around the office. Like it was wild to see some of that stuff. And yeah. so I dove in trying everything, biohacking and biohacking is like just using different things to enhance your physiology, your biology. And uh, so I'm cryo, cold plunging, saunas, infrared saunas, or hyperbaric oxygen, you know, fasting, keto, I mean, you name it. And I'm starting to get better. And so I felt like I wanted to help other people around me. So I was like, you know, what's going on with you? What symptoms do you have? And I'm like, oh, I've had that symptom too. Try this, try that. Like hit me up later. Here's my cell phone number. Let's hold each other accountable. Let's like reach out if we've got stuff going on. And I just, I love doing that. And I had learned so much that I had so much to share. And I found this chiropractor's office and I was really into CrossFit at that time and really in physical fitness. And uh, I'm sharing like, Hey, I want to help people. I love what you do that you get to have all these fun toys. And so I really like the biohacking stuff. And so these like recovery spas that you see now where they've got the red lights and the infrared saunas and all this stuff, we were going to do that. And so he's like, Mitch, you're a health coach. And I'm like, what's, what is that? You know, right. and he goes, go get your certification and I'll send my clients to you for nutrition. At that time, I was just doing nutrition and exercise, basically. The spa business, the city wasn't ready for it, but the health coaching took off and I loved it. And I left my corporate job. I was ready to do that. I was not happy there. I knew I wasn't going to survive or heal in that environment because of all the stress. I'm a leap first and ask questions later kind of person. And uh, so I went and, and started doing the coaching. After a couple of clients, like I realized I was living in a smaller town and driving to a bigger city, but that city still wasn't, everybody was still doing like old standard American diet, stuff that just didn't jive with me. So that when I went to talk to doctors, they weren't getting it. But when I went to like Raleigh, North Carolina, where I'm at now, 
open arms. They're like, oh man, like we've been looking for somebody that's into some of this stuff. And so pretty soon I, I get a client and I'm headed to see him and I get hit by a dump truck. And so I, uh, another TBI, post-concussion syndrome kind of thing. And this is five years ago, right? About five years ago. Yeah. yeah. Five years ago this March. Yeah. Wow. You were what? 32? Yep. Yeah. Yep. 32. Oh. So what does your second TBI and post-concussion syndrome look like, feel like, how does it present for you? Mm. So I woke up on the side of the road. My dog was killed in the accident. Oh, that sorry. was one of the hardest things, like them yeah. telling me that. Oh, she was my best friend. And um, so I didn't, you know, and that was something I had to address later. I didn't really get to mourn her because I was excited that I was alive. It was a right. lot of mixed feelings. So, I mean, if you've seen the picture, I know you saw my Instagram, everything was smashed in and set my seat, right? Like it was a miracle. So because I had done a lot of this work and I was connected with a lot of people that were really into treating the brain and TBI, I, I was very lucky, right? And so I had reversed the diabetes. I was really into the ketogenic diet at this time. And that's so good for the brain. So immediately what I did was three days of water fasting and then five days of like a, a fasting mimicking diet. The fasting mimicking diet is like a very low calorie diet that that's, gives the benefits of fasting without, you know, just drinking water. And it helped so much that like I did not rest like I should. I, I, I have a hard time sitting still. I can't believe I can even sit here for an hour and not be jumping around. But um, so I was, Go, I was to excited. Be, to be People, fair, though, you did jump up right before we started. Yeah. <laughs> ran into the other room. <laughs> I, had to get, I had to get the whoobies out, you know. But people are visiting me and I'm up like hanging out and, you know, it, it was scary. But like, what happened after that? It's like all the dysregulation set in. I haven't thought about this in a long time, so it's a great question. I went from exercising probably 10 times a week to I couldn't walk more than 15 minutes at a time. Um, mm -hmm. I could not sleep at all. I had zero energy, and it was really scary because I didn't know what to do. And now looking back, the stuff that I was doing was so aggressive because that's the only way that I knew. I'm hacking my body. You know what I mean? Yep. Like yep. That sounds traumatic even now. There's a time and a right. place for those things. Sure. Um, but I didn't, I didn't know. I guess about that time is when I walked into somebody's office. You familiar with Joe Dispenza? I know the name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like really like quantum physics and working with the subconscious to manifest your own reality. And at that time I realized my thoughts, I was still a victim. No matter how much I had overcame, I still like really thought poorly of myself. And so I found Joe and I learned about these meditations. They're like an hour long, deep, deep, deep data, really get in touch with emotions and, and how to attract what you want. Right. And so I, I really hopped into that. And for a couple of months, I feel like that really helped accelerate my healing. I started sleeping better. All of a sudden I'm exercising again. I'm pumped up. So I went in and smashed myself because I didn't know what I was capable of doing. Like I thought, oh, I'm feeling good. I can do what I did a couple of years ago. And so I smashed myself. I remember being in the sauna afterwards and this guy's like hacking up a lung. He's like, man, I have been so sick for like a week. I, I just got back from traveling. And that's like, we didn't know what COVID was. What right? year was that? Was that 2020? Yeah, yeah. Jesus. So this is 2019, the Christmas right before it. That's oh, when I okay. got it. Okay. Yeah, so it was here. <laughs> you got I, it before it was it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, wow. I knew it was different because to that point, after I'd done all this healing and I was real big into fasting, ketogenic diet, like fasting was my cure-all. If I had a sniffle, anything, 24-hour fast and it's gone, well, this thing would not go away. I was on the couch for two weeks, just aches and pains and oh my gosh. And it's like I never recovered. It, it got into the mitochondria. That's what long haul COVID is. It, aff it affects everybody differently. It destroyed my hormones, my mitochondria, my energy levels. I couldn't get out of bed. I was working with clients, but I was getting out of bed, having a 30 minute call and then going and laying back in bed. Uh, and so I was miserable and I was looking for options and we didn't know what the hell was going on. Like nobody knew what long COVID was. COVID hadn't even really hit yet. So we're looking at labs and my doctor goes, oh, you got like low testosterone. And I'm like, oh, like maybe that's it, you know? Yeah. And so I go see a testosterone doctor. That's a whole other rabbit hole and like anti-aging kind of doctor. And they want to put you on that stuff. That's their job. Testosterone is fantastic if you need it, but I don't think I need it. I think my testosterone is just low from what was going on, right. but they gave me a ton of testosterone like one time. So 200 milligrams in one shot. You know, I am detoxing from testosterone right now. I've been off of it for about two or three weeks after weaning down. But at my highest dose, I was probably taking like 80 or 90 milligrams. 
So they gave me 200 and that's spread out over a week. They gave me 200 in one shot and like, Hey, for three days, I felt awesome. Right. <laughs> like I was a walking hard on and, yeah. and all of a sudden I couldn't sleep though. Like yeah. my resting heart rate went from like 45 to 90 and it was just dun, 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 dun and palpitating. <laughs> and it was so scary. And I didn't sleep for a couple of months. Now I don't usually go into this much detail, but I also got hooked on, have you ever heard of Phenibit? Ugh. It's this research chemical um, that was founded by the Russians for Russians going into space. It's an amazing feeling, right? It's very gabinergic. And so it's going to overwhelm. You don't want to take it more than once or twice a week. If you do it once or twice a week, completely fine. Extremely addictive. Okay. I knew that and I had used it for anxiety in the past. And my doctor would always be like, hey, be careful. I'm like, I know, I would never. But at that time, I took it and it, it allowed me to sleep. And so all of a sudden I was Superman because now I got these super physiological doses of testosterone that I didn't know when I was going to come down because that's the thing that I'm even experiencing now. It takes weeks for hormones to balance out, if not months, right? And so I'm cutting my dose and we're trying to figure out where that's at and and I can't wait any longer. I haven't slept in three months at this point. And so I'm like, you know what? I can get off this stuff. I'm going to take it just until everything kind of evens out. And after about two weeks... I was hooked and just gave me uh, a reverse T3 issue. So now we're talking thyroid. So extreme anxiety, crawling the walls, the emotion would be terror. It was really scary. There was nothing that could touch it. Go ahead. Were you in hyperthyroid? Yeah, that would make sense, right? But it was like hyper and hypo. So, you know, kind of like you you mentioned uh, autoimmune, like there were some antibodies. The reverse T3 was just smoke show. I mean, it was through the roof. Like I probably didn't need to go on thyroid, but the doctor didn't have any other choice to help bring me down. And then that was its own, because I got put on T3 only. Right. And I think that's great. But like for for people that don't understand thyroid, and I work with clients on this sometimes, I work with a a doctor to kind of act as the coach on the Mm -hmm. sidelines. And so I realized like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I read all these books, got really into T3 and trying to understand I mean, you're playing God, right? Like you have to say, this is when my body needs energy. This is how often, at what dose. So my OCD type A really kicked in and I'm like doing blood pressure readings. I'm checking my temperature. I'm doing heart rate, all these things throughout the day to try to figure out. It never got right. It it never was going to get right, right? Eventually we brought in some T4 and I got, I was just always like this. I was always never felt right, you know? Yeah. And I met, that's when I met one of my mentors. Uh, she's a medical medium and she was muscle testing. And I had to kind of surrender at that point because I was digging myself into a deeper hole and I was extremely sensitive to every supplement. They would give me micro doses. I would take in watered down pills to be able to take them. But we eventually evened it out. I felt like I was recovering, brought my testosterone way down. I mean, I remember showing up at her office to muscle test. She's like, bring all your supplements. I show up with like bags. massive bags. Yep. And she's yep. like, like you could see her. She said, when you walked in, like I knew everything was too much because I was trying yeah. too much. Right. Right. You were trying too hard. So hard. That was me. But eventually we got everything down, brought the thyroid down, brought the testosterone down to a good point. I was evening out and then I got COVID again. I went to one party, uh, wedding party. It was intense. A lot of, a lot of fun stuff that I hadn't done in a long time. Yeah. And up all night. I remember me and my buddies were like closing down our college bar at like three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, what are we doing? Yeah. I got COVID on the way home from that. It was everything all over again. And that time, ivermectin, my doctor, I'm like, what do you got in the bag for like getting over this stuff? I was doing really good with it. And when I took ivermectin and when I did, it just shut down my gut. It, uh, everything just from like my throat to the bottom, nothing was working. And so I lost 40 pounds. I went down to about 140 pounds. All of a sudden the hormones weren't working. So I had to figure those out again. And it was just another nine months of terror, anxiety. And now it just triggered so much trauma. I'm so lucky to have the physicians there and the medium. We were on the phone three, four times a week and she guided me through that like right out of hell. It was it was wild. It was a very interesting two years and I learned a lot. Um, then I got it again. <laughs> <laughs> so once again, I'm going to play the role of your body and the rest of it. Mitch, do we have your attention yet? <laughs> yeah, I know. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm like really on this like dark night of the soul. Now, the third one wasn't that bad. I had done so much work at yeah. that point. I had a major rash that broke out and I had to have some anxiety. But after that, 
is when I turned a corner. A couple of months after that is when I started coming off the thyroid. And that was kind of interesting. That's this year. Now we're up to date. And I would take one T3 pill, crush it, run it with like this vibrating thing to get it to go into water and take a tiny look. That's all I needed. And uh, I was taking a little bit of T4 and it was like, I was sweating through the sheets all of a sudden. And like, it, you know, if you've had too much thyroid, it feels just like too little. Right. So it's both exhausting and depleting. I remember telling him, I called him up and we were weaning down. And again, I'm a jump kind of person. I was down to like the last step and I was like, I can't do this anymore. And like Mitch, you can't go off of thyroid. You can't do that. And that's where I turned a corner, I would say. And I said, hey, you guys have taught me how to love myself. You've taught me how to listen to my body. And so, and I, cause I was upset when they said no. And I, and I had to see that and I went, okay, they're trying to protect me. They want what's best for me. This doesn't make sense. People don't normally come off of thyroid. And, and I said, thank you guys, but I'm going to trust my body. I'm going to do what you told me. And about two weeks later, doctor calls me and she's like, can you hop on the phone right now? I'm like, oh shit. Like, what is it going to say? She goes, Mitch, how you feeling? I'm like better every day. I'm still sweating through the sheets, but like, it's rough. Kind of exactly how I'm feeling right now. And um, she goes, looking at your labs, I can't ethically tell you to be on thyroid. This is amazing. And I'm like, how do you explain it? She's like, I can't. We're just going to be stoked about it. We're just going to have a lot of gratitude and we're yeah. going to check for the next couple of weeks. And that's when things started to get better this year. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you spent a lot of time over the last five years really treating your body with a massive hammer and just trying to bang it into shape and mm. force it into shape and bully it into shape. Oh yeah. One of the things you mentioned before we hopped on was you started talking about healing mm. your nervous systems. Tell me where that came into play. I'm going to ask this question and I mean it in the way that I think you'll understand. When did you learn about your nervous system? And I know we all know we have a nervous system, but I think a lot of us don't know that our nervous system can affect our health and our mm -hmm. well-being and things like that. So tell me how you learned about that and how that came into play. Yeah, it was certainly new to me. I thought I knew about the nervous system, right? Like I, I love heart rate variability. Um, I love like I would... Uh, take data from my athletes, like my typical athlete that needs that is like someone who's doing CrossFit or burn boot camp like six times a week. They've lost a bunch of weight and they plateaued and they can't figure it out. They got a tire around their belly and they're just wide eyed like this because their cortisol's through the roof. Yep. They're stressed out to the max. And so I would put a heart rate strap on them for five days that gives me raw data, not like an aura ring that's going to give you an algorithm. And I could see both branches of the nervous system and I could say, hey, this is fired up and you look depressed and let's see what happens in a week. And you look normal in a week, right? So what are we going to do about this? We got to get you off the sauce, which is the cult that is these, I love CrossFit, you know, but that's just what it was. Like people don't understand that you got to rest and you mm -hmm. can't do it every day kind of thing. And so that was my understanding to that point, right? I thought I was very fluent and I was reading the book, The Body Keeps the Score, where it talks about stored stress uh, in the body from trauma typically can make us sick, right? And I heard this analogy the other day that I love. I've been using my clients ever since. It's like, emotions are like farts right? If you hold them in, it hurts. And if you let them out too fast, it can clear a room. It can be very messy, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I was reading that book and I got to the childhood, the ACE study, right? Early childhood adversity, something like that. And um, I was like, this is ridiculous. You know, and, and I just ignored it. I, I went past it. And I'm like, this is for somebody else. And I remember telling that to my doctor and she's very fluent in trauma. And I can't believe she wasn't like, uh, hello, sir. So I'm reading that book, kind of a couple of things happen. So we've got this men's group that we do here in Raleigh, shameless plug, men on a journey, Raleigh, North Carolina. We do it in person the first Thursday of every month from six to eight, just give men a place to open up and share and be vulnerable. Okay. Two of my buddies start this group and they bring me like, Hey, we want to start this group. I want you to be part of it. I'm like, cool. I'm supposed to be this like health guru in this group. Right. And I, at that time, this sounds crazy. Uh, and I know you'll get this. Um, I thought mental health issues were a result of nutritional deficiencies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I was going to be like, I'm going to help these poor guys that are suffering. I'm going to help them like get we're healthy. We're going to eat know? our way out of depression. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or just biohack our way. Right. So right. Right. Yeah. I, um, which don't get me wrong. There's a vein of that that is possible and that 100%. works. Right. But using yeah. that as the hammer again is yeah. 
It's like the dirty fishbowl analogy. You got to get out of the nasty environment that's blocking you from, I don't know, seeing these things or having these experiences, the deeper stuff. So read the book in the group. I don't go to the first two meetings because I don't feel like I'm ready to show up and be that guy. I show up on the third one. I'm still struggling, you know? And I realized that that group was like what I needed because it allowed, it really, I mean, we ask, all we ask is a scale of one to 10, where you at? And uh, I don't care where you come in, you're going to be higher when you leave because you just got all these people around you. These guys really show up and pour out and really help. And so I'd had this experience with a, a former business partner where I was getting so frustrated with him and I didn't understand why. And I yelled at him and we were both, you know, that wasn't good for our relationship. And I, I reached out to this might be my first counselor. It wasn't a therapist. It was like a yoga training girl that I got introduced to. I didn't know how to process emotions. I didn't know how to process anything or feel. And so I was just overwhelmed and I'm like, help me. And so we did a lot of EFT and tapping, which I use now to, to kind of go deeper when I feel something. And I'm like, what is that? You know? And, um, I was like, yeah, what happened? I was explaining, I got her on an emergency call. Hey, I just freaked out on this guy and I don't know what's going on. And, and it was, it was so closely tied to the experience that I had with my dad and working with him. Right. There's a lot of stress there. And it felt very similar. It felt like I was working for this guy. And when I blew up, it was unresolved from my dad. And I didn't know anything about that. And I'm like, whoa, because she goes, Mitch, I said, he made me feel like this. I never forget. She goes, let me help you here. Nobody makes us feel anything. And I was like, okay, I'm listening. She goes, we feel a certain way because we have unresolved shit that gets triggered. And I'm like, tell me more. And she goes, do you see how what you just described to me with your dad is exactly the same situation? I'm like, wow. Okay. So that's a mind blowing for me. I just, it's all synchronistic. My whole journey has been like these steps. They just illuminate, right? So I have this aha of this old stress stuff coming up. I'm reading this book and I share it with the guys. I'm like, hey, you guys won't believe I'm reading this book. And the stuff of my dad came up and da, da, da. And they asked me a question about my dad. And I, I just responded with like, I'm going to beat him up or something, you know? Yeah. I thought that was like cool and macho at the time, right? And uh, they kind of went, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, and uh, one of the guys pulled me aside and he's like, hey, bro, you reading that book? I'm like, yeah. He's like, that's you. You're traumatized. And I was like, what do you mean? And it was awesome. I mean, I needed to hear that. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I think there's a time and a place for like, I don't want to shit on anybody, right? I don't want to tell them what they should do. But sometimes like, sometimes I need to be smacked around a little bit. Like, hey, Mitch, what is that? You know? And and so I went and found a therapist. I, I talked to one or two of them. The first one wasn't like a, a huge success, but the second one was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I've been unpacking that ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, we'll get back to the show in just a minute. You know, I was talking to a friend recently and she was going through some stuff and I recommended a previous episode of the podcast that was relevant to her situation and she loved it, which got me thinking. If you've got an issue you're facing or something you're going through, drop me a line and I can recommend an episode or two that might be relevant for what you're experiencing. Think of it as a personal podcast prescription. I'd love to make one for you. DM me on social or email me at stephanie at 40drinks.com. And don't forget to spell out the word 40. <laughs> All right, back to Mitch. Isn't it so funny you just said a word that typifies, exemplifies all the synchronicity involved in the journey. Mm. Um, there's a piece of my story where I have said before that the universe will keep sending you the same lesson over and over again until you decide to learn it. And the mm-hmm. longer it takes you, the more egregious it's going to throw something at you, right? The bigger, the more terrible the lesson's going to be. I think you and I are similar again in that, you know, it takes us some pretty significant smacks upside the head to be able mm-hmm. to go, oh, wait, what? No, that's everybody else. That's that's what they need. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. You, you, you. Mm-hmm. So I love that a, a book came into your life or you said Joe Dispenza came into your life. So many things. It was like a a gradual cracking of the shell that I could not ignore anymore. I I have to say this, like Irene Lyon, have you ever heard of her? Mm -mm. She is fantastic. I found her work through another synchronistic person that came into my life who's a nervous system coach. And I didn't even know what that was at the time. Because I had done so much work and understand science decently, this stuff just, it was what I've been looking for. And so it was like a 21 day nervous system reset. 
It took me six months to get through it. I just finished it last week because it was so intense. My body would light up like a Christmas tree. I'd have all these symptoms and things like that coming out. You know, my therapist now, she's like, I've never worked with anybody like you. You're on a mission. But I, I've, been, I've been waiting 20 years for this, you know, and I've right. got all the tools and I've been doing everything else. And so as I went through the course to learn about dysregulation, about trauma and all these different forms, I had all these flashbacks and all these memories that I didn't remember. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think the first thing that I've been sharing kind of on some podcasts, too, is like realizing that my childhood was kind of I got fucked up. Right? I was dysregulated from the start and I love my family and right. they were awesome. They didn't do anything wrong to me. There was just some generational stuff that was handed down and some situations that happened to me. And it's not really the trauma. It's the dysregulation that happens after it. And that dysregulation that I did not have. And I was constantly really high or really low. My therapist said this not too long ago. Like I was like a junkie, right? I would be feeling really good and I'd take some kind of stuff and it'd take me way higher. And then it would crash me down to the bottom. And I did this as like an addiction, right? Because I thought something was wrong with me and I was trying to fix myself. And so let's say if I was regulated and calm, like I wanted to be up here or I wanted to be crushed. I want to do it until I was crushed, right? And so I had to learn those patterns while, while, while going through that. Yeah. And you mentioned this earlier that you were addicted to mm. healthy living, healthy lifestyle, biohacking, mm. trying to get the most out of your body. And that for you, I think kind of masked the softer, gentler, more challenging issues that actually might've made more of a difference. Would you, did I say that right? A hundred percent. And I was listening to a podcast that you did earlier. I, I love the mindset, nutrition, exercise, lifestyle. Now this new nervous system piece, which I think is huge. Like, yeah. I think it's a big root cause for so many people, and especially men. We're not taught how to release emotions. Talking about farts hurt, like we hold that shit in and we wear it like a badge of honor and we get okay. sick and die early because of it. Mm -hmm. And so just hearing your podcast, I feel like that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to help men regulate, to show up, to be vulnerable, to be open. You know, we are not any less emotional than women. We just get taught at a young age to suck it up and not be a bitch. And uh, right. you know, that's some toxic shit. I mean, it is. I, it's kind of funny because I, I'm in a particular situation where I've been through this and I've seen the softer side. I love the hardcore stuff. I did a sauna and a cold bath before we got on here, but I'm not using that to override my physiology anymore, to run away from right. the anxiety. Being afraid of that physiology, that was me. And that's what happens when we've had trauma. I have anxiety, I have depression, I have an eating disorder, whatever that may be. And I'm going to try to kill it. I'm going to run as far away from it as I can. When I, To heal, that's your best friend. That is your way out. I was talking with a client today, like, hell yeah, you're getting pissed. Hell yeah, you're getting sad. Hell yeah, you're really upset. Whatever that may be, that's your sign. Lean into that. Feel that. You got to feel it to heal it. And there is wisdom and education. That's your body screaming at you for attention. And I ignored it, like you said beating myself into submission for so many years when all my body wanted was to listen and the answers were inside. Yeah. Something I've always said that I had an old boyfriend who was an alcoholic, uh, very much so we were together for five years. And I used to say that he would play emotional whack-a-mole and he would do it with alcohol and drugs and fun, actually. And if there was some trauma in his family history. And if ever he were feeling bad, it was like, whack that mole, go get drunk, go have fun with yep. people out in the world. And it was a great illustration for me that that never worked that you actually had to, and not that you were using those things, you were using health, which is probably much more insidious because you think I must be getting better. Look at all these good things I'm doing for myself. But it was, it was a similar sort of whack-a-mole situation where instead of sitting and feeling, you were using things to try to get around it instead of going through it. Everything I get my hands on. And looking back there, I don't know that there was anybody in my family that was regulated. And I saw a lot of alcoholism. I remember seeing my grandfather pour a thing of bourbon, 20 ounces and, and drinking it. You know, that's what you did when you were upset. Yeah. That and you take a, a medication, right? We numb ourselves in different ways, whether yeah. it's a, a hard workout, punishing ourselves with working out or, or restrictive dieting. I was afraid of, that's where the shoulds come in. I was afraid of every food. You know, I wanted some perfect diet that was going to heal me. And so I was afraid of carbs. I was afraid of protein. I was afraid of vegetables. And it's like, it's from doing all these different diets. Like, oh, the carnivore diet's going to heal me. It's going to heal my gut. Or the vegetarian diet's going to help me detox. Or the paleo diet. And all these things are great. 
I've learned so much from all these dietary approaches and there are different tools that I can utilize for short periods of time for a particular situation, but really the basics are where it works or, or where the best progress is made. But these restrictive diets, that's just another way of masking and overriding things. Yeah. And I wanted somebody or something to come in to save me. And I was just shooting myself to death. You should do this. You shouldn't do that. And I made a career out of it. And so that yeah. was something I had to work through in therapy as well, but definitely come out the other side on top of that. Yeah. So I have in recent years come to be aware of the nervous system element as well. I have a friend who, when things get sort of crazy in her world, she'll say, I'm working on settling my nervous system. And for a while I was like, I don't really know what that means, but mm -hmm. you know, I knew she needed time and space to sort of come back to even again. And she had actually turned me on to a, a coach that she's used and she's spent some time with a woman by the name of Simone Grace Soul, who is mm. a coach for coaches. Mm. And I'm not a coach, but she was a marketing coach and I own a marketing agency. So I've clued into some of the stuff she says. Mm -hmm. and, and she's kind of kooky and out there, which is fabulous and I love. Yeah. But one of her posts stuck with me within the last couple of months. And that was something to the effect of, she talks about business growth and how you grow your business. And she said, your business will never be bigger than your nervous system will allow. And it just sort of went by, floated by in the Instagram feed at some point in the last couple of months. And recently I was sitting with part of my team and one of my colleagues said something to the effect of, oh, I think this fall, can we start thinking about business development and maybe bringing on a new client? And it struck me that I have had health issues for, it's seven years now that I've been working on this. And another one of my colleagues has had a family medical issue that's sort of captured their world for over a year now. And I looked at him and I said, I would love to, I would love to bring on a new client. I would love to grow the business. But I read this comment about business size and nervous system. And I said, and to be honest, I, I don't know that my nervous system could handle a much bigger business right now. And I don't think hers would either, meaning my colleague. And she mm -hmm. said, nope, I'm not ready. And so yeah. it's like, you know what? We both have to do some healing. And you know what? The business is great. And I love my business. I love my team. I love my clients. And we're doing well. Would it be good to grow the business? Of course, that would be delightful, but not at the expense of my health, of my team's health. And so it's, it's interesting that the whole nervous system component is kind of making its way into my consciousness and into my awareness these days as well. So you are the cherry on top of this concept that has been coming at me from the sides for a few months now. Well, I don't think that's weird at all because I feel like as a species, humans are, are looking to heal their nervous systems right now. And I don't know if that's my particular activating system. Like you buy a new car, you see the car everywhere because right. I'm just so immersed in it right now. Right. And, and I, I think it's a positive because we can look around the world right now and see a bunch of terrible stuff. Or you can see these little, I know you talked about glimmers, right? My body will give me this reaction to let me know there's your thing. That's your thing, right? So I can focus on the good or I can focus on the negative, but I see a lot of people waking up and healing and looking for healing. And here's the thing that I'm learning with the nervous system healing is it is super slow. So I, that's why I was applauding, you know, you being in touch with your body and saying like, no, I'm not feeling that right now. Right. You could easily override that, push through that, okay. dig yourself into a deeper hole. And then 12 months, two years later, we've got another autoimmune disease. We've got this going on, right. that going on. So applaud to you for listening to your body. That's what it's all about. But what I see out there, just from the little bit of experience that I've had in this year, and I am so guilty of this, is like people just overriding and doing things so intensely. Like when it comes to the nervous system, you have to creep in. And if you didn't have that attunement when you were a kid, it's like learning a new language. And that's a beautiful process, but you don't learn Spanish in three weeks or do it on a weekend retreat. I had a client the other day, their parents were talking to me and they said, should we send him to this weekend trauma retreat? And I'm like, no, dude, he's overloaded. He's overstimulated. And you're just throwing more, 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 yeah. more in. I did that game and that's just going to push you further into dysregulation. And you, that's the kind of situation where somebody gives up because this isn't working. 
when I did Irene's course and, and where I start with my clients now, orienting, like literally just looking around the room and, and, and seeing where I'm at and being able to track that, like learning to follow my impulse. And that's like scratching my head or going to the bathroom when I need to, because when we have trauma, we don't listen to our body more. We've said, shut up. I got this. I'm smarter than you for so long that it's not telling us anything anymore. And so you take someone like that who's extremely traumatized, and I'd say a lot of us are, you send them into a breathwork class where they're getting high as a kite on their own oxygen. But still, I've had <laughs> I've had more psychedelic. I love psychedelics. Big, big fan of those, too. I've had more of a psychedelic experience breathing than I have with mushrooms and things like that. Sure. Like. It's intense. And that's why we build regulation and capacity by slowly going in and learning how to be with our physiology so that we know how to be with the intensity of a big emotional release. If that even is what happens, it's like going to a psychedelic experience. And I did this for years, like going to concerts and stuff where I was tripping balls and not knowing how to integrate that afterwards. I learned how to do EMDR and different forms of trauma therapy. I already knew how to do that intuitively because of psychedelic experiences. I was like, oh, this is what's going on right now. I'm releasing a trauma. I'm, I can feel my body getting cold. I'm shutting down. It's like I'm underwater all of a sudden. I've felt this before, like on psychedelics, like, yeah, you were processing trauma. Like, I thought everybody did that. Mm. You know, I thought everybody had that experience when they eat a mushroom or, or something like that, especially someone who was pushing things for so long. Like, yeah. I am fascinated with like somatics and, uh, you know, somatic experiencing and, and Feldenkrais work is what Irene does. And it's like, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And that's something to be aware of as well. And you can just really hurt yourself if you're going too far, too hard and, and fast. I, I did that for way too long. And it's really slow and a lifestyle that you do for the rest of your life. Right, right. Yeah, I've been on a restricted diet for like five years now. And it no longer is a diet. It's just the way I eat. I've said to people, including my husband, even if I all of a sudden was all better and could eat whatever I wanted, I'm not sure that I would go wildly outside of where I'm at now because I'm at a place where when I eat off my reservation, I get the body feedback. I know yeah. what's not good for me. Like I know, oh, I'm going to pay for this. Sometimes it's within five minutes. Sometimes it's within an hour. I poisoned myself this spring at an event and it took me three or four days for that mm. to, to make its way through my body. So it's like, you know what? It's not worth it. It's just not worth mm. it anymore. Well, you know? let me give you some hope on that because I did every restriction. I was, you know, ketogen. I don't know if that's, I mean, I guess that is a show because you're taking oh, yeah. a whole macronutrient, but like, yeah, yeah. I did. What, what diet? I'm just curious. So I started five years ago on the autoimmune paleo diet. Yeah. Yeah. And, That's what uh, I did too. Yeah. Yeah. So I did the, the level one fully restricted diet for somewhere between six and 12 months. Yep. And then over the course of a couple of years, I've added stuff in. So if you're on AIP, I'm like the widest version of it, but yep. it's still from a quote unquote normal person's standpoint, like a wild diet, right? Well, that's what I was on before all this stuff happened. And that's part of this year. So I keto into carnivore. I had psoriasis all over my face at one point. And so I'm like, I got to do something. Yeah. Right. And I'd done like macronutrient, but I'd never went full into the AIP because I thought it was crazy. I'm like, I can't do that. It's too restrictive. Yeah. I like liver cleanses. So I was doing like a kachari. It's like a five day cleanse. It's called the Colorado cleanse. Check that out. Okay. And I was doing carnivore and things got drastically better, right? And I realized I, I like organ meats in my diet. Mm -hmm. I like more protein, but I hated being restrictive. But every now and then I'd get little breakouts and I'm like, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, okay. Every time I eat nightshades, I break out. And so yeah. that's when I found AIP and I'm like, all right, let me, for, in one month, gone. I wish I could yep. show you a picture. It was pretty profound. Yeah. So I was on AIP for two years. When I started doing the trauma stuff, I could eat whatever I wanted all of a sudden. The only thing that still will get me is like hot peppers. I say that and I've been eating a lot this last couple of weeks. So like when the system calms down, my feeling is that a lot of those food intolerances, they don't affect you as much, yeah. but it took a lot of trauma work too. And, and when I say trauma, work, who knows when that's going to happen for anyone. For me, right. I've been extremely immersed for the last nine months. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I want to just talk about trauma for a minute because one of my more recent conversations episodes, I talked to somebody who had a wildly traumatic 
childhood and early adulthood. And we talked a lot about that and it helped him become really self-aware and really tuned into himself. And so a lot- Gotta protect yourself. Yeah. A lot like you, he had this transition in his early thirties versus in his late thirties and forties. And I was saying to him, well, I had a stereotypical middle-class two-parent picket fence kind of upbringing. And for a long time had this thought that like, well, how could I have trauma? We had it so good, right? And much like you said, I love my family and there's all kinds of great stuff. But a girlfriend of mine said something to me about her own mom, just because she did her best doesn't mean it didn't leave marks. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me personally, it took me a lot longer to even think that I would have anything that I would need to work on any sort of covered traumas or childhood traumas or early adulthood, whatever kind of traumas, because in my mind is like, I had it so good. I had it so easy compared to lots and lots of other people. Mm -hmm. So I think I came very late to the concept of, oh, wait, I have trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Join the club, girlfriend. Yeah. I mean, same thing. When my doctor brought it up to me, when we first, we need to talk about your childhood trauma. I was like, how dare you? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like get out of here, man. Like next, what else you got? There's nothing to discuss. But as right. I learned about that stuff, you, you know, what childhood trauma looks like as an adult is I don't have clear boundaries. I have this mystery illness that won't go away. I have labs that come back clear. I know there's something wrong. Uh, I've tried everything and I'm not getting better. And that was me, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's what Irene, she kind of talks about. So following some of her work, my ears started perking up and I was like, oh, like, what what is this? What is that? You know, and asking people that were around me and and just got encouraged into that. So I I had the same exact response. I think that's a very typical response. Trauma does not have to be a car accident or a death in the family or going to war. You know, I thought trauma was veterans. I didn't know anything else. Right. It doesn't even have to be abuse or parents who have addictions or, or challenges. It doesn't have to be any of those things that we obviously go, oh, well, of course, that's going to leave a mark. Mm -hmm. It could just be that something happened when you were a kid that shook you and that shook got stuck. Yeah. So what happens there is like, and then a bunch of those little stucks, little Stephanie stucks ends up being anxiety as we get older. Right. So it's basically we're frozen in time Let's do like somebody's attacking me, right? As a child, if my parent is attacking me, well, I'm not going to fight them. I can't run away. And so what do I do? I go into freeze. I shut down. And so that I didn't get to follow my impulse to push off, to cry, to scream, to yell. And I shut down because the only option I had is a protective mechanism. Thank you, body, for doing that at that time. Right. Only resources we had. Right. But that gets stuck in the body now, right? And so... Now that I'm an adult, all these things are coming up and it's going like, hey, you know, Mitch, you got you got the microphone. Mitch, Mitch, <laughs> wake up here, buddy. Mitch, can we have your attention, please? Yeah, there it is. <laughs> you know, and then we become afraid of it and, and we want to get away from that when again, that's that's where we go to get better. Yeah, yeah. Tell me just a little bit about what healing the nervous system looks like in a practical way. Mm -hmm. What are some of the easy or first or onboard kind of steps that you take to start healing your nervous system? Well, Irene, she really talks about education is key. I'm working with this therapist right now. So Irene takes Feldenkrais, which is like a form of I guess I would call it like therapy, very slow movement into the body. It's just a, it's a a gateway into the nervous system, right? So it's a door, it's an entry door into it. And the lady will show me like, say we're working on the hip. She has a skeleton and she's like, here's your hip, right? Here's your pelvic floor. This is where your pelvis is. This is where your sense bones are. Okay. Now I want you to sense into that, right? So that's just education. It's just, it's just going like, Hey, this is what we're talking about. This is how your physiology operates. This is how you know, polyvagal theory. This is how the nervous system goes up. This is how it comes down via the vagus nerve. And you have these different branches of the sympathetic and the parasympathetic, and they are activated in different ways. We don't have that activation when we're a kid and we borrow that wiring from our parents, right? And we attune to them, but if we didn't have anything to attune to, well, then you, you don't have that regulation, right? And so later in life, when you have these shock traumas, like a car accident, or you have an illness trauma, or you have early childhood stuff, or you have a fluid trauma, there's a couple different kinds. 
Well, then the normal person or the not dysregulated person may have this car accident, a shock trauma, and they walk away fine. Well, someone who's dysregulated, they can't get out of bed and their food doesn't digest after that. And so I think education is the key, right? And then it's like what she does is like these little neurosensory exercises. And the the first one is, is orienting, right? Like feeling your butt in the chair, feeling your feet on the ground. And when we're in our head, you know, we're spinning, we're going... Yep you know, going nuts over there and creating all these stories. And for me, I would catastrophize and everything was black or white, you know, and I was in my stories, whatever that was, I was in the trauma. So if I notice that now, I'm like, oh yeah, I get to practice instead of being scared of it. I will still be scared of it in the very beginning. (laughs) There's that feeling, but then I go, wait, there's my, I get to use my tools. And so I'm going to bring myself back down by feeling my butt in the chair looking around, not trying to change my breathing, but just noticing my breathing. And then notice, is there tension in my body? Right. And it's like, after doing this for a couple of months, all of a sudden I started getting these little doses of like, I don't know what else to call it besides like euphoria. You know, I didn't have access to that kind of regulation and coming down. Growing up, I wasn't taught how to do that. I didn't learn how to do that. Orienting, following my impulse. That's where like kind of the shoulds came in, where I was like, you know what? Like, I'm sick of being on social media. It's driving me crazy. And like, I started seeing how everybody else was shooting. This morning, I found a, a whiteboard. I was writing my workout on it. And I saw my freaking schedule from last year at this time. And it was like, dun, 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 dun. and I could tell that I was trying to do some like I scheduled rest, mm-hmm. you know, but like this summer, it's been like the summer of Mitch and just reconnecting with like child Mitch and just doing whatever the hell I want to do. And a lot of that's been some hard times and working through some stuff, beautiful, amazing things. But yeah, it's the simple stuff. It's kind of reconnecting with the body, learning to listen to it, uh, learning to respond instead of react and and just following the impulses of like, I don't want to, that's what I was saying. I don't want to be on social media. I don't want to work with these type of people. I don't want to tell anybody what to do anymore. You know, for a while, it's like, give me an exercise program and how to eat. And now it's more like, how do you want to eat? You know, right. yeah. it's so much more really bringing the nervous system stuff in and like the mindset. I haven't had a conversation about nutrition in so long. That's just like the minor details. We have to work on what's going on between the ears or in the nervous system to come down and regulate and build capacity before we can even make any kind of change or else we're doing it from that trauma. We're doing it running away from that weight that's keeping us safe, that fatigue that's we're burning the burn the candle at both ends and doing all the things, having it all like Lisa, right? I was listening to her, that podcast with her. I was that guy, you know? And so I just had to say like, what's important to me is getting healthy and getting better. And so I'm going to take this. I'm lucky as hell, man. I don't think everybody gets to do this, but you know, my wife's got a great job and I was able to take the time to do this work. And I feel like I'm kind of like the last boss right now of like a video game where this year has been such a year of transformation. I didn't exercise for four years. Uh, I was really light as far as I lost a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. As soon as I started doing this stuff, working out, all these things came back on. And as I come off of this testosterone, it kind of feels like the last boss. Like even though I'm going, if I would have gone through this type of, it's tough coming off of the hormones. I I know you you understand that. Um, You know, (laughs) I'm basically like a menopausal woman right now. Like I'm hot flashing all night long and I have no testosterone and thank God for progesterone and DHEA. Um, Right. But, uh, but like, I'm okay with it. I know like I've had all the signs and all the symptoms that let me know the glimmers, if you will, that let me know like, Hey man, this is what you need to do. You don't need this anymore. And things are getting better. And because I have brought just a teeny bit more regulation in my system, I still got a hell of a long way to go. And it's a lifestyle that I'll continue for the rest of my life. But I know it's it's good. I'm good now. It's, I feel so much more safe now. And that's what was lacking for a long time. There just wasn't this sense of safety at a, at a cellular level. You know, Irene talks about that a lot. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So my last question for you, because again, I knew we would talk all day long. You are... 37 now and you've Mm -hmm. been through a lot in the last five years and in the last year you've done a lot of work you've had a major transformation and and you'll continue with that but you haven't even hit 40 yet Mm -hmm. so tell me how you feel when you think about turning 40 what does that mean to you well you know it's kind of shifted here recently where like all of the stuff that i've been through in the background, there's this little voice saying like, you need to get this shit taken care of because when you get older, like this stuff's going to suck. Like, I know what it feels like to be 70 uh, mm-hmm. as a man right now yep. coming off test. So it was like, uh, I was doing it out of fear. A lot of it was out of fear. 
And now it's like, man, like I get to live now. I get to do um, all the things that I have had to say no to. Um, I'm going to be saying no, but like, cause I know what my body, what I want to do and what I don't want to do. But right. like, I'm so excited to say yes. And I'm so excited to like share this with people. Um, I think because I've scoured the earth for health and healing and, and, and improving myself on so many levels, like I can help and I have so many tools and I'm just excited to see where this goes. I have no idea where this is going to go. It feels like something really big is coming and I'm supposed to help in a way that it's just not out there. Like just the whole complete wellness. And I love hearing some of your guests, you know, talking about that. It seems like the ladies are always in tune with that a little bit more than the guys. And I think that's what I'm supposed to do is maybe bring that to the men a little bit more. And, and I work with women too, but that just kind of feels like something fun right now. I know it'll change and I'll always be reinventing myself and finding new things to be excited about. But it's, it's really shifted from a fear to like an excitement. Like I think age is just a number and sure there's challenges, but the challenges are opportunities to heal and grow. And, and kind of going back to what I was going to say earlier is... <laughs> you know, not having the testosterone in my system, everything hurts. Okay. So like <laughs> he, he was like, uh, he's 10, 15 years older than me. And he's like, how old are you? And he's like, it's like, when you get this age, I'm like, bro, I know what it feels like. Like my teeth hurt right now. Like my feet hurt, yeah. you know, like I was at the PT, like working on my knee and stuff. And he's like, so how's it feeling? I'm like, bro, I don't know. Everything hurts right now. And so that motivates me even more to say like, what else do I need to clean up? There's some stability and some strength stuff, different achy joints. I know how bad this would hurt if I was actually 70 years old right now. Right. So it just motivates me to, instead of like beating my body into submission, like loving my body to death and like doing everything I can to rest and hydrate and eat really nutrient dense foods that are appropriate for me. But also like, I still like to cut up and have a good time, you know? So it's like, instead of like being so restrictive with it, like, Dude, do what feels good. Follow your impulse. Be yeah. you. This whole journey in the beginning, my therapist, bless her heart, man. She puts up with a lot. Like she goes, what's our goal here? I'm like, I want to get rid of this freaking anxiety and insomnia. And she's like, that ain't going to cut it. You know, the goal now is to be authentically me. You know, I'm going to be me unapologetically for so long. I fit myself into so many boxes and so many labels. And I would say uh, when I was in sales, I would say, you know, my superpowers, I'm a chameleon. I can kind of shape shift for anybody. And I realized I was doing that to feel more comfortable in the situation. And so I'm going to be me. I'm going to show up. And if you don't like that, there's nothing wrong with that. That's cool. We don't have to like each other. You don't have to agree with me. I don't have to like you. And, but like the people that I do want to hang out with and be around, they're going to be attracted to that authenticity. Yeah. And that's my goal now. Yeah. Yeah. You said something about you cleaning it up. And I, and I think that's actually sort of the overarching theme of everything that we go through in this phase of life, this 30s and 40s, is cleaning up all of the things that we picked up along the way that don't serve us. So mm. whether that's the trauma, whether that's the shoulds, whether that's the lifestyles that our parents suggested to us or our mentors told us would make us successful and cleaning up our mental space and getting rid of a lot of the stuff that doesn't serve us. It's great work it's it's hard work but it's so worth it on the other side oh yeah 100 percent. yep yeah. totally agree with that mitch thank you so much for spending some time with me and for being so generous with your story this is amazing and i've learned a lot from you i think i've said this before i do this podcast to share stories of this transition with people who are in that age period, 35 to 45, so that they know that they're not alone. So I, I want to help other people make it through their transition better and easier than, than I made it through myself. But sometimes I get to the end of a conversation and I go, eh, that one was for me. Yeah. <laughs> and I think my friend, this one was for me. And the universe puts you in front of me with so many similarities, so many things oh, that, that we could connect on that I could not deny that, yeah. uh, that some of your messages were for me and I'll be, I'll be looking into some of this stuff myself. Yeah, well, well, thank you so much. That that means a lot. I mean, this has been a, a fantastic uh, conversation. I had no idea it was going to be like this. I knew when I was doing a little prep work and going through some podcasts, I was like, oh my gosh. But then we get on the call and it's like so many things sync up. So this has been a, a huge pleasure. Thank you so much for the compliments. I'm, I'm so stoked that you took something away. If I can support you or help in any way, of course, you know, hit me up on social or message me or, or you know, we're buddies now. So Again, thank you for having me on. This has been a great conversation. 
Thanks so much for listening today. I can confidently say now that Mitch is my brand new little brother from another mother. (laughs) I was just blown away at how many similarities there were to our stories, more so than almost anyone I have talked to so far. And I wasn't kidding when I said that Mitch mentioning nervous system health was the cherry on top of a concept that had been coming into my consciousness for several months. And I finished our conversation by saying that I would be looking into some of the stuff that Mitch talked about. So here's what happened after our discussion. Mitch contacted me and connected me to Irene Lyon, the woman he mentioned in our conversation, to her social media and told me that her big nervous system program was open for registration that very weekend, closing in like three or four days. Well, I took that as a sign from the universe and I jumped on the opportunity I think this program is only open for registration like once or maybe twice a year. And now Mitch and one of his friends and me and one of my friends are in a Marco Polo study group going through this program together. And he wasn't kidding when he said that this stuff takes time. I think the 10-week program is probably wrapping up now, but in our little group, the furthest any of us has gotten is into week three. But holy cow, is it interesting work. It's just like Mitch said, instead of using the hammer to beat his body into submission, it's exactly the opposite. It is the smallest. It is the, the, the calmest. It is the tiniest little things where we allow some of these stored traumas and stored stresses to sort of bubble up and out of our system. And it's a really funky and kind of crazy experience. Um, But the structure of this program makes it really safe and really interesting. So um, I'm loving it. And I'm also loving having a study group to go through it with so that we can bounce ideas off of each other and share our experiences. So, uh, so yeah, a brand new little brother. (laughs) All right. Next week, you're going to meet an old chick who knows some shit. And I feel confident saying that because Jennifer Arthurton is the host of the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. Her transition came when she was 49. She was divorced, unemployed, a brand new empty nester, and bedridden with a stress-related indis- with a stress-related illness, which left her wondering, what the heck is next? Who am I if I am not a wife, a mother, or a corporate executive? Who was the woman underneath it all. I think you'll enjoy the conversation and I hope I'll see you next week. The 40 Drinks podcast is produced and presented by Savoir Fair Marketing Communications. 